What may I get for you this evening? I think I'll have... I'll order for us. We will split the absolute perfection, um, but instead of anxiety, could I get a flawless side of raised expectations, please? Of course. And how would you like your circumstances? Micromanaged? Micromanaged. Oh, and please tell the chef that no matter how Willie prepares it, I'll still be dissatisfied. Will do. Oh, and can we get some 38% shinier silverware? Yes, sir. What a close to, but not quite perfect evening. There might be one or two of you sitting in there that actually identifies with that kind of thinking, yeah? You know, sometimes I can feel like that. What a close to, but not so perfect evening. Uh, 38% shinier silverware is a little bit weird if you think about it. Um, but what about the 100% uh, control that is being taken place in that? You know, even to take away her right to choose what she wanted to use is significant. You know what I mean? Like there's just that dominant thing that's happening there. But welcome to part two of our series called I Choose. Uh, we have discovered even last week, and this is a little bit of the focus of what this month is about, that we are the sum total of the decisions that we have made. What you see today about your life and those around you uh, is a result of the decisions that have been made by that person. Whether they were forced upon them or they chose to do it of their free will, it was a decision. And uh, so it's the sum total of those decisions. But you get the choice right now to make a decision today that will affect your future, that will affect what you will look like five months from now, five years from now, five decades from now. Hallelujah, if you're going to be here five decades from now. I'm going to be, right? That's only 87, that's not too bad. Will you still be listening to me at 87? Probably not. All right, okay, I'll take that. Anyway, so there's four areas that we've chosen to focus on this month in the area of choice. Uh, and these will set us apart in making decisions to grow in our spiritual development and wisdom. By simply choosing right or believing right and acting right. Last week we looked at choosing purpose over popularity. That when we choose to follow our small p purpose, I heard that one a little bit before so you remembered, we will often fulfill or find our greater purpose in life, our large p purpose. <clears throat> you may remember that choosing our purpose diminishes distraction, that purpose pushes us through the pain, and that purpose empowers us to please God. There are three things that purpose really does for us. Next week, Pastor Rod will be looking at an interesting topic, and I've purposefully gave it to him, purposefully. It's looking at discipline over regret. And I think Pastor Rod's a great example of what discipline can bring into our lives. You know, um, when it talks about discipline over regret, Jesus actually promises us that we're not going to escape pain in our life, trials, tribulations, all of these sorts of things. So if we're not going to escape it, we can choose which type of pain we're going to choose. We're going to choose to uh, accept the pain of discipline or we're going to choose to allow the pain of regret to, to challenge us throughout the rest of our life. And I think if we choose the discipline kind of pain, we're going to grow through that instead of letting our regrets control us through the rest of our lives. So that's next week. And then uh, today we're looking at this one topic that I choose surrender over 
control. Everyone say it. I choose surrender over control. So that means you can't order uh, the, off the menu for your spouse or you control freaks out there, all right? And uh, it means you can't order 38% uh, higher, higher polished silverware, all right? But I think there's some more things in there that we need to look at. We all love to control something, is that right? We all love it. Think about it. We all love to control something. It, it might be our finances. It might be something within your home. It might be just specifically your kitchen. It might be you, you want to try and control your kids, but there's a pipe dream in itself. Um, you want to control your workload. Who wants to work less and rest more? Yeah, well, you can't control that. Some of you got to work 50 hours a week, you know. Um, you, you want to control your diet. I need to do that one. Uh, you want to control the effort that you put into something. You, you know, when you think about it, you want to control something. So if you're with me, how about you raise your hand? If you want to control something. Right. How many of you wanted to raise your partner's hand? The person next to you, you thought, I'm going to raise that person's hand because they're a control freak. Well, this is actually about talking to us each individually today. If, if you think about it, if you wanted to raise your neighbor's hand, you're wanting to control their life. It means you need to be writing more notes probably than them on the whole topic of control. You got it? See, so we're all like this actually control freaks when it comes down to it. We want to control our, our work. Um, I want to control what times I work, right? I want to control, uh, I want to do everything myself. You know, I, I don't, when I was working at Collier Miller, I had to go and serve the important people, right? Why? Because I had to control the outcome of what they were buying. You know, I had to control those situations. I wouldn't let the junior Jamie go and do it. I had to do it. All right. Um, what about at home? Everything needs to be in place. Who's the control freak at home and everything's got to be in order? Kids come along and that one goes out the window straight away, doesn't it? Like the <laughs> toys get spread out everywhere. If you've got Peyton at home, it's nappies and wipes and, and all sorts of things all over. And, and then she gets into the toilet and she gets the toilet rolls and she makes confetti. <coughs> it's really cute when she opens the door and you're in the toilet and she tries to hand you a piece of confetti because she's helping. <laughs> right? Control freak, you know. Anyway, but we try and, you know, I, I've heard of people who have to vacuum within the lines. You know, the vacuum cleaner leaves lines on your, on your carpet. And they've got to keep the lines dead straight. That's certain control right there. Or, or you could be a little bit like me, who used to think when you mowed the lawns, you like the women control everything, but when it comes to us in control, we want to mow the lawns and it has to be dead straight lines on our lawn. Yeah? Who's got that kind of issue? Yeah? I drove past some places recently, and you know what? It's gone to the days of straight lines. Now it's diagonal lines on the front lawn. They're mowing their lawns diagonally because they've got more time to do diagonal cut. It's just weird. Anyway, so we all want to control something. What about um, people? Who likes to control people? Who likes to micromanage everything like the douchebag on the video? Um, who's not going to raise their hand now because I said douchebag? All right. You want to control and micromanage and manipulate and threaten people, you know, because, because that's the way uh, you've been taught to do it. And uh, I remember there was a boss that I, I know, and I call him a boss because he was more than a manager because he treated everybody like he was the boss. And, you know, you messed him up one time and you were fired because he was that kind of person. Now, that's control. And he kept everyone in line because he was 
the boss. Not cool. Not cool. You know, you don't want to work for a guy like that in nowadays. Might have happened 40, 50 years ago, but we're in a different time. People need to, we, we so discover freedom and we so discover that it's about our intended purpose that we want to express that in our workplace and all of a sudden bosses and, and, and staff are at loggerheads because they don't understand the principle of leadership, they don't understand the principles of management. You see, they just want to tell people what to do. All right, so maybe I hit you today, but uh, take, take note, you've got a choice to make. Um, I'm a control freak. I heard a pin drop. I heard a pin drop, and then I heard my wife say, "Amen." <laughs> so maybe it's true. Um, but you know, uh, ask Sarah. I believe I'm mellowing a little bit. I used to have to drive everywhere. Now I ask her to drive places sometimes. I used to have to be in control of the car. I'm still in control of the remote control. It says it in the name. It's a remote control, so I'm allowed to do it, right? And it's not about what's on. It's actually about what could be on. So you, I'm in control of the remote control, right? You see, I'm this control freak. And uh, when I think about it, uh, I need to control my phone wherever it is. I need to control the music that's playing out of my phone. So we're sitting in the car and you know they touch your phone in the car, but I'm not. I'm touching a musical instrument or device. So I'm changing the songs as we're driving along because I don't like that song and I get in trouble. It's quite naughty. You know, we're all, in a sense, this kind of control freak. What it means when we're actually trying to be uh, this kind of thing is that we're trying to actually be like God. When, when we, we need to control everything in our life, when, 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 we, when we need to be the one who does everything right all the time, it just means that we're trying to be like God. And that reminds me of a story in this, the Garden of Eden where Adam wanted to be like God who was told by Satan that he could be like God who wanted to be like God and receive all of the praise and worship that God is due. You see, it's one of those in original lies that was implanted that we can be in control of our own lives and that we don't need anything else or anyone else telling us what to do. We want to be like God or we want to be the God of our own lives. It's a remnant from Eden that has become human nature today. You with me on that? It's a sense of, I want to be like God. And that, and it leads me to this whole scripture that we're going to look at. It's, it's a real simple scripture. And we most of us actually know this scripture. It's probably the most quoted scripture in Christendom. It's probably the most quoted scripture of early Christian. It's one of the, probably one of the first ones that you learn. But I think it's one of the ones that we don't always understand when it comes to understanding what God is doing in this area of control. The scripture is... Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Who's heard that scripture before? Who's quoted that scripture before? Who lives by that scripture? All right, so I'm going to challenge you this week. When I foresee you and I'm asking you, actually devoting your life to God, are you? acknowledging God in all your ways? Are you trusting Him with every element of your life? Or have you 
still controlling one area that's greater than the remote control, that's greater than the straight lines of the lawn? Are you still looking to control that one area of your life instead of releasing it? The NIV puts it this way, and it's a little bit different, but it says it like this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because God's understanding is far greater than mine. That's exactly the same as what was written in the ESV. But it says this, In all your ways submit to God, and he will make your paths straight. In all your ways acknowledge God is the same word as this word submit. It's, it's the word, um, I think it's your door. Your door. Can you say that? Your door. Or Yoda, if you want to say it, probably. I don't, I'm not Hebrew, so I can't pronounce it the same. It's the same word, acknowledge. Yada, your door. How do you want to say it? Which means to know. It means to know, like intimacy, like Adam knew Eve. It's that kind of knowing. It's this intimacy. In all your ways, know God. In all your ways, be intimately connect with God. In all your ways, submit everything to God as a wife submits to her husband and as a husband submits to his wife. Think about that. What a perfect plan that God gives us in this wisdom, this one, two verses of wisdom that is given to us. It's like this submitting one to another. <clears throat> Simply, we are to trust God as we are known by God and we know his ways. So it's good to know that we know God's ways. Who reads their Bible? Yep. Nice to see some honest people. <laughs> Who doesn't? No, I'm not going to embarrass you. Uh, if you read your Bible, it's how you get to know God. It's this intimacy with understanding who God is and how he opened the door for us to come into friendship with him, I said a couple of weeks ago. But you see, when we come to this one point of understanding that it's because God knows us intimately that we want to know God. All of a sudden, it brings this choice to read our Bible and to pray into perspective. It's about intimacy, submission to God. In all of our ways, we come to him in what we're doing. We're to trust God as he knows us, and then we know him. It's looking with eyes of faith and not understanding it's relinquishing control, shudder, to a greater one who is God. There's an interesting little point for us. It's the cycle of fear. The more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. The more you try to control a situation, the more fear and be afraid of losing control comes upon you. The more you are afraid, the more you try to control. It's this cycle that continually happens. I'm afraid of losing control, so I will control more. And because of the fear, I will actually control more. Does that make sense? We just keep going round and around and around the same circles. And in marriages, we make that mistake. In our jobs, we make that mistake. In our relationships, we make that mistake. And here, even in our walk with God, we make that mistake. We try to control everything. We actually need to acknowledge that it's not about us controlling, but about us releasing ourselves and relying fully upon God. 
So control gone bad. There's a story in the Bible of control gone bad. We're not going to read the story. I'm just going to kind of speak it out a little bit because it's a massive story. But it's control gone bad. And it's, it's to do with Abram and Sarai, who became later Abraham and Sarah. Okay? It's about this whole sense that control becomes bad. And you can see this, this whole thing when Abraham tries to control one specific situation. And I might have even mentioned it last week, where, where Sarah and, Sarai and Abram go into a city and they're afraid. Abraham, Abram becomes afraid that he's going to lose his beautiful wife. Because she was beautiful. And he was right because the king fancied his wife. But he told them to lie and say that she was his sister. Because if he said he was his wife, he was scared that the king was going to kill him so he could take his wife. Now, thankfully, God's favor was on their life and they got out of the situation. But what really happened was that Abraham lied so that he can keep control. Right? And, and we're all like that sometimes. So we can keep control in our life. We, we say a little white lie. Maybe that little white lie won't hurt. But it, it caused a lot of problems between Abram and Sarah. It really caused these issues. But you see, it was more than that because God gave these promises to, to Abram. And we went through those a few weeks ago. The promises that Abraham received from God to be a mighty nation. To, to have the, the seed of his womb, of, her, of his loins and the, her womb, come out and bless the nations. This promise from God, Abraham and Sarai, Sarai in particular, tried to take control of. It says it here in this passage in Genesis 16, 1-4. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now the promise was he was going to have many children. And they've waited on God for month after month after month after year after year of having no children. And there's people that that could even speak to in itself. And she'd borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. I don't know why the Lord has done it. Maybe I'm a sinful person. But you see... The Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Guys, don't ever agree to that kind of suggestion. Not a good one. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. She took a second fiddle to let someone else go in to his tent so that she could conceive a child for her. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Hmm. Sarai took control and the result? The result is chaos for centuries. The result was not just chaos within one family. The, the chaos is even today we see the result of these ten families. Later on, uh, the angel of the Lord Jesus actually says to Hagar that he will bless the children that she bears and that 12 nations will come out of him. Those 12 nations became the Palestinians that we have today. Out of that nation, out of that blessing, actually came uh, the person Muhammad. Therefore, 
we have the Muslim nations around the world. There's still a blessing on there. It's just been distorted, right? Why? Because one woman took it in her own hands to control a situation instead of rely upon God. You see, Abram's, Abraham's child, Isaac, became blessed too. The 12 tribes of Israel come out of there. The seed, Jesus Christ, comes out of there. The saviour of the world comes out of there. And yet we have these tensions in the Middle East even today over this one decision to take control. Your, your decision to control a situation might have global effects. You might say, oh, that might make sense. But it might because you're actually an ambassador for Christ here on this earth. And if you, if you would actually submit to that and trust God, he can use you for his good purposes. And the creative words that you speak will create good things in this life instead of negative things. So there's two rules that come out of this. Firstly, don't ever sleep with a woman named Hagar. Makes sense, doesn't it? Never forget that one, all right? The second rule is girls never uh, never date a non-Christian. Guys, same. But it's the same process, isn't it? You're waiting around for God. God's promised you this guy. You can't find that Christian guy in your circles, so you, you make a choice to go back upon your dreams and your trust of God and you, you don't just settle, you settle for any old guy. Any old guy will do. And we know the stories are exactly the same. Many girls and even guys have gone backwards on their, their resolve to follow God because they've chosen outside of God's will. They've settled for someone who was not the standard that God had asked them to keep. There's a sense that uh, you can't find a Christian guy you never will. That's not true. All right? I know a few good young Christian guys, if you want to get married, come and talk to me, all right? No names, all right? I said no names. <laughs> no, just jokes. It's all fun. <clears throat> finances. You might make the choice to control your finances. Every little penny needs to be accounted for. You might have the strictest, tightest budget. But if you don't give to God the first fruit, your budget will always fail. It's a spiritual principle. It's a biblical principle that you can't get out of. You reap what you sow. Think about it. You sow to the Lord's purposes. The Lord blesses your purposes. You, you give of the first fruits of God, of your life to God, and you're honoring God in what you do. You might, uh, if you, if you, if you choose not to do that, you might not walk away from this sense of trusting God. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, you might think that you are the one that controls everything in your life and you're the provider of everything that you do. What about your spouse? You might try and control your spouse. You, know? you try and manipulate the situation to suit your game, to suit what you feel, to suit your purposes. But you forgot the very fact that on that day that you said, I do, it was the molding of two becoming one flesh two people's dreams becoming to make one family and therefore one purpose you keep two purposes within your marriage and you'll have division no sooner than you could say division that's just what happens if you don't submit one to another then you'll never see the lord's blessing on your life 
And some of you are here today and you don't have a Christian partner. Keep praying for them. Okay? It's not because it's not about choosing right or wrong in that situation. You're in a situation that the only choice you can make is choose God. Choose God. Don't don't resolve uh, resolve not to change your circumstances by your own manipulation. Don't manipulate your spouse to come to God, but trust that God will open them up to the truth of the gospel and that they will come to know Him. What about work? If people aren't doing things right, you've got to resist the temptation to take over and do it yourself. You actually got to let them make mistakes because really making mistakes is just greater learning anyway. Right? You might be able to do it ten times better and five times faster, but it doesn't matter as long as they're learning along the journey. You can't be that controlling. You might be a parent, like a helicopter parent. You ever seen those parents that watch over everything that they do, the child's homework comes in and all they want to do, all they want to do, all you want to do is take control of their homework, make sure that they get an A on their homework. You're just hovering over them. You ask them to go and do something and they get on their bike and you jump on them and say, put your helmet on. Because you're just controlling everything that they do. They can't make mistakes because you're making it so safe for them that they can't experience life. You're helicopter overing them. You're like that helicopter that hovers over and making sure that they're safe when they go to war. But, you know, you come to a situation, you can't helicopter over them at school. You can't helicopter over them when they go out for the first time, uh, when they're tempted with their first drink. You can't helicopter over them. Why? And if they're so used to you controlling their lives, guess what they're going to do? They're going to rebel. and They're going to make decisions that are going to be against everything you've tried to teach them. First moment they get, they're going to wear their, not wear their helmet on their bike. The first moment they get is they're going to just go out and do whatever they want to do because their mum or their dad has been controlling them all of their life. See, this is control gone bad. This is what happens when we choose to do it ourselves. What are you trying to control? One of those things, if it's those things. There's three questions that will help us with these. What are you trying to control? If you want to write notes down, just write the one thing that God just prompted you. What is the thing in your life that you're trying to control? Because that's the thing that he wants to be the cornerstone of in your life. We sang cornerstone today. If you can relinquish control today and surrender to God, you'll have breakthrough in that area. Write that down. This is something you can pray to God about during the week. First three questions. We're choosing surrender over control. First question you need to ask in these areas of learning to surrender to God, of trusting God in all of your ways and acknowledging Him, submitting to Him. First question you need to ask is, is it worthy of my concern? Is it worthy of my concern? The perspective of a leader, you know, um, the guy who actually first preached this leads 25 churches. It's just a mass of churches. So I can't give you that kind of perspective, but I can give you my perspective. October last year, I stepped into the senior leader role, and let me just say that there's so many things that I'm tempted to control. Being a control freak and all, there's so many things that I could just step in and say, you can't do that, you need to do it this way, no, I'm not happy with that, change it. But it doesn't help people. It doesn't help people grow into the fullness of who they are. And you see... I'm not going to be accused of being a person of control. 
even though God has given me purpose and I'm going to choose purpose over popularity any day. But I'm not going to do purpose over popularity at the sacrifice of being cold and a control freak. This is Jesus' church, first and foremost. And he will grow it the way he wants to grow it and we will serve it faithfully, which is why we have vision and values which challenge the way we think, which help us to live out the cause that he has for us as a specific congregation. There might be other churches in the area doing different things and you might like what they're doing and you might try and bring them in here, but they don't line up to what God wants to do. And guess what? If you say you're a person of control, I say, no, I'm not. I'm a person in surrender to God because we're surrendering to what his plan is for our church. You see, you've got to understand that it's not about control, it's about surrender. And as a leader, you, you're challenged every day on whether you step in and do it yourself because you do it ten times better or you think you do it ten times better, you probably don't. Or do you stand back, trust God, realise is it worthy of my concern and actually go and help people through situations. Hurting people. You know, sometimes hurting people need your time and attention. Sometimes they're just looking for time and attention to help them through, help them in the muck that they're in to stay in. And you've got to learn those things as you go through your life. I learned this one recently. You can have control. You can have growth. But you can't have both. It's a really good one for church. We can have control of every situation in our church. We can try and orchestrate everything to be as good as it can be and we can try and shut down everything of the Holy Spirit because that's what we'll do. Or we can trust God and we can have growth and we can let the people of God rise up and see their gifts and talents put into the purposes of God. Craig Groeschel said that. He said you can have control, you can have growth, but you can't have both. Think about it. Their church is the biggest church in America. And this is how he leads his church. Not by helicoptering over it, making sure he's in control of everything, but by having... Brian Houston said this one. This one really spoke to me last year. Someone asked him this question in a leadership seminar. How do you, how do you look over and keep... Um, keep leading such a global movement because Hillsong's everywhere, we know that and he says, well I can't be everywhere and I shouldn't be everywhere but my voice needs to be everywhere right because it's about vision, values putting through who God called you to be he said what we do is we teach our leaders that you're like your, your congregation is like a painting and this is I think like every church really your congregation's like the borders of a painting, the borders are the processes, the structures, the, the vision, the governance, the values of your church. And you're free to paint the painting that Jesus wants you to paint within those boundaries. And that's a really interesting picture. Your life is exactly the same. You see, God gives you borders. He gives you values. He gives you principles. He gives you laws. He gives you things that he graces you to overcome. And we step outside of that and our painting spoil. It's one of those things. We can choose growth we could choose to have control but we can't have both and i choose to have growth how about you yeah second one i'm moving through these questions pretty quickly 
Is it mine to control? Now, this is that whole sin of, thing of trusting God in every situation. Is it mine to control? If it is, do something about it. If it's your realm of responsibility, be a responsible Christian. If it's your realm of responsibility, be a responsible staff member or a responsible leader, a responsible manager. Be a responsible child, a responsible parent. Be a responsible whatever it is. If it's your area of responsibility, then you take responsibility for it. Stop getting out of the way and saying, God, you do it. Moses did that. Moses leads the nation to the edges of the Red Sea. We're doing baptisms today, so we've been talking about this whole Red Sea thing. Moses leads the people and then he says, stop, turn around, your God will deliver you. God says, no, I won't. You do something. Hold out your staff over the water. Why? Because my spirit's already gone on before you. He's shown you the way. You part the water. Moses has to hand out the staff and the waters part. God did deliver them, but he delivered them through the man. You see? Some of us have to take responsibility for what he's called us to do. This is choosing surrender over control. It's not controlling your situation. It's surrendering to the call upon your life. I had to do it. God called me to be a minister. took me a long time to surrender it. I should have done it 10 years earlier, but I didn't. I should have. I could have. I would have. Do I want to live in that regret? No. And look forward to what God has for me now. You see, is it yours to control? Take responsibility. Surrender. If it's not yours to control, surrender it to God. There are just some things you have to understand that God won't do for you. That you have to get up and do yourself. Get up and have a shower. God won't do that for you. God won't choose the clothes that you're going to wear. God won't write the CV that you have to write to go and get the job that you're being called to go and get. You know, God won't get you up on time so that you can make it to time and show that you're a good employee. That's your decisions. All right? They're the things that, that we can control, therefore we control those in our life, and that's a healthy thing. Guys, you might be afraid that you'll never marry. All right? You can choose to wallow in that, or you can choose to stop playing Pokemon Go, get involved, have a bath, get a job, and move out of your parents' house. All of a sudden, you become quite attractive, and the girls will be looking at you. Seriously. It's that simple. You might be tight financially. You might be worried about kids. Your marriage might be struggling. You can do something about it. You can choose to apply faith. All right? Remember I said before, you can sow the seed. You can put God first in every situation that you do principle that works across all of the things that I'm talking about today. You make the first step, and I bet you if you do that step in faith, God will meet you at your faith. That's called yours to control. The last question is, is it for God alone? The question you need to answer in your situations in life about choosing surrender over control is that some things you can't control. Some things are just God's to control. Some things are just God's area and specialty. Philippians 4, 6-7 says it this way. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious about nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, when you try to control something and you can't, the very emotion you're feeling is anxiety. Who gets anxious when they try to control something and just not working? It's just not going to plan. Simple story this week, or last week actually, um, I was running late to church and my worst area, who saw my little post about God challenging me and smashing me? I figure this might be a good time to share. God challenged me in this one area and that is I hate being late. And I know why I hate being late because I had a few people in my life say things to me that hurt me probably and I've taken that on board. Or the other side of that is I hate being late to go and see Sarah when I was a kid and I had to rely on my dad who was always late. <laughs> Mum's having a good old chuckle. But it's true, isn't it, Mum? Yeah, right? So that just fashioned me to this point of I just hate being late anywhere I go. But then, then growing in leadership and at work and things like that, some people just said to me, um, if you can't be late, then you, uh, if, you, if you're going to be late, they just said these thing, random things that you know, you're not showing that you've got great character and all sort of stuff. And it just left something in there. So the kids were making me late and I just flipped my lid coming to church, not at them, not in a way that was really bad. It was just I get really anxious. I get really agitated. I, I raise my voice, like, which dad's not going to raise their voice when they're agitated. You know? and, and, and I started to berate them. And that's not the person I want to be. I want to encourage them. I want to, I want to build them up. And here I am berating my kids because they're making me late to get to church. Like, who does that? And, and God smashed me over this one over the week. But he said, you know, you're doing the right thing because the week before, that week I got home and I said to the boys, I said, look, I can't do this anymore. I can't run around and micromanage you guys and tell you what to do and what to do here and do that and rah, rah, rah. I said, you've got responsibility on your life. I've called responsibility out of you. God says you're responsible, so we're going to live responsible. And I, set, I made them a, a job sheet. And I said, if these jobs aren't done, any question you ask me is going to be a no. Can we get a drink while we're out in uptown? No. Can I go and visit someone? No. Can I go for a walk? No. Why? Because you've got to learn responsibility. He's teaching me discipline, right? So discipline my kids in the right way. So when I can, So I can counteract all of those decisions and all of that, pain that I let out on them by saying I've already got something in place and I'm going to trust that God's going to speak to them through that. See, I made the decision to surrender my control of the situation to God and trust his way to parent my children. See, and this week has been a far better week, hasn't it, Rubes? See, awesome. You know, you've got to make those decisions sometimes. You think you got it all right and sometimes you get smashed in the face like that. You've got to give it to God and submit it to God. Submit the control to God and let him bring a change around in certain people. Can you change your spouse? Some of you guys have got girls, guys have got spouses that are just doing things that are just not right. It's actually not your responsibility to change them, it's God's. Trust God. Pray to God. Seek God. Seek what God wants you to do. Seek how God wants to change you as a person so that you're a better spouse and that they start to see a difference. And if all of that doesn't work, the trust in God and they choose to walk out on you, your conscience is clear before God.
It really is. Because you've been obedient to what God's wanted you to do. Can you heal your loved one if they're sick or if they're dying? No, you can't. But God can. You see, put your faith first. Can you control your kid's future like I just said? No, but God can control the future. He can open doors and pathways that I could never open for my kids. And it's the same for you. Paul was like this. I think we're done. I think I'm done. I don't even want to talk about Paul today. Paul's an amazing man, but I don't want to. I think God said enough. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to God and he will make your paths straight. Some of us here today need to submit to God. Some of us need to understand that God has better plans for our life than we could ever imagine. Have you submitted to God? Have you come to God and said, God, I'm done. I can't control it anymore. It's doing me around the twist all the time. Every time I reach out, every time I try and do it. Maybe you should close your eyes right now and just let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart. The choice is surrender over control. The choice you need to make right here, right now, in this situation, is are you going to choose to control the area of pain in your life or are you going to submit it to God? Are you going to take the responsibility where you have responsibility and not try and abdicate that to God? Are you going to see where God has gifted you to change your situation? And if you can't change your situation, are you going to be like the Christians who were being persecuted by Saul? You see, they could have gone and murdered Saul and changed their situation, but they would have done it the wrong way. But they trusted in God and they prayed that God would deliver them and Jesus encountered Saul upon the road to Damascus. And he changed the circumstance because it was God's to change. What's your circumstance? What's the area you're trying to be in control of that is God's alone. Maybe it's your life. Maybe it's the entirety of who you are. Let me say that God has sent a deliverer and his name is Jesus. The very one who came and died upon the cross. The very one who died in your place so that your sin could be forgiven. The very one who was buried and rose again. The one we sing about and give glory to. The one who, if you put your trust into him, will not only deliver you out of your circumstances of earth, but will deliver you into an eternal circumstance, which is called heaven. An eternity with the Most High God, an eternity with your Creator, your Father, your Friend. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus today. And if that's you, maybe you need to raise your hand and say, I want to surrender all to Jesus. Maybe there's someone here that just says, I want to give my life to Christ. Is there one? Is there one that just wants to say, I want to give my all to Jesus? Thank you. You see, I want to surrender my all. I remember... I don't remember the day, but I remember the specific moment that Sarah and I stood in 
drive a church where we raised our hands and we were in tears and we just said, Jesus, I give you my all. Every situation is yours. And I've had the toughest journey to try and work that out. When you pray bold prayers, you've got to expect there's going to be some challenges. If you decided that today is the day you're going to give all to Jesus, we're going to stand with you. Why don't we just stand as we close in prayer, this message. Father, we just surrender all to you. If that's you today, just raise your hands. It's between you and God. Just raise your hands and say, God, I surrender. I choose to trust you in all of my ways. I acknowledge you. I want to be intimate with you. I want to submit my will to yours and live abundantly in what you are doing. Lord, I pray, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the means by which I can overcome. Give me the the resolve to change the things I can and the faith to say only God can change this and I will pray because that is my all in this situation. God, we surrender to you. Change the things in our life that only you can and give us, Lord God, the commitment to say yes to the things we need to change. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would deliver us from control that you would set us free, those of us that have one specific area or even two or three, that one area that we've identified today that we're trying to be controlling and manipulative in, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be the Lord of that area in our life. Deliver us from that spirit. Set us free in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. God bless you. Pastor Rodney, come and take us from now.